Right now, technology is not my friend. Can you please turn your camera on, Mr. Burden? We're just going to roll with it. It's always fabulous when your co-host looks at you and says, I'm not really confident in our pod this morning. <laughs> I, have, I believe in you. Hello and welcome to another potentially useful episode of the TCAPS Loop Podcast. My name is Larry Burden and today I'm joined by the ever effervescent Danielle Brostrom. Good morning. Good morning. Before we pop the cork on today's episode, let's drink deeply from the font of wisdom that is TCAPS Loop Moment of Zen. Sometimes your joy is the source of your smile, but sometimes your smile can be the source of your joy. Thich Nhat Hanh. So welcome, Danielle. How are you on this appropriately wet autumnal Northern Michigan Thursday? Hey, it is Thursday, great. right? It is Thursday. I think so. I'm not sure. Uh, once again, it's a blur this late in the this late in the week. It kind of just all runs together. Though my wife tends to uh, call Thursday first Friday. I love to, that. Exactly, because you're kind of leaning into Friday. It's hopeful. You're hopeful as opposed to I'm just trying to survive Thursday. I love it. From now on, whenever we do a a, a pod on Thursday, it's no longer Thursday. It's first Friday. We have relabeled. A day of the week. Change approved. Kind of like, though the Asgardian god Thor would not be happy because it's named after him, Thor's day. That's okay. We changed yeah. it. <laughs> it's time. Hopefully we will not be smited by, by his hammer, <laughs> which I was going to try to pronounce, but I'm not. Mjolnir, I do believe. Mjolnir. How do you know <laughs> these things? You'd be surprised at how many people actually know these things now. All right, fair enough. By the way, Neil Gaiman, uh, book recommendation, did a wonderful, wonderful uh, book on the Norris gods. Well done by by Mr. Mr. Gaiman. Nice. So now that we birdwalked all the way <laughs> off topic, what is our topic today? Larry, what is our topic today? Are you not prepared? You should see my <laughs> preparation here. Today we're going to talk impressed. about Google. We're going to talk about some of the fun updates that have come down in the last month or so. And a couple things that we can look forward to. Spin spin that record. What is a record, Larry? Just kidding. <laughs> All right. So what I'm kind of noticing with the most recent updates that are coming in from Google, they're kind of under this idea that learning and working from home for that matter, like it can be done anywhere. People are increasingly, they're from home, they're on location, they're they're in a school, kids are in a classroom. Like the, this new post-pandemic norm, which I know we hear all the time and those words kind of drive me crazy, but I really think that's that's what we're seeing. People are working from wherever. We do need to be more flexible and that Google, some of their newest updates have made that flexibility and collaboration across anywhere just easier. So I think some of the new updates that have come down are pretty cool. One of the first things I want to talk about, the old Google chat, which most of us, frankly, probably turned off because it was kind of annoying and it didn't really do a whole lot and it was just another place for people to bug you. It is now kind of expanded. It's called Google Spaces. You will see it in the lower um, left-hand corner of your Gmail. And it kind of reminds me of Slack or Teams. It's a good competitor for those two. And it's a great place for collaboration, those quick messages. Um, I think there's even a place where you can insert GIFs now to add a little bit of fun into it. I know that's what most people use their 
that's what we use our Slack for. Um, <laughs> but they're also going to be releasing more updates that make the collaboration across the Google products easier within Google Spaces. So within Spaces, you can share a document and then you can have the document up kind of in that Gmail window with the spaces in the lower left-hand corner. Like it's just, it feels like they're trying to create that synergy between all their products, which makes a lot of sense for those of us who are working from wherever right now and their students too. So does that get used? Uh, you know, I have seen it come up a couple of times in in my Gmail, which surprised me because I had no idea it was there recently. And oddly, it was um, some tech folk that were using it. Do you see that being adopted right now with our teaching staff? I mean, when you think about the typical teacher, they're they're not in front of their computer all day. It's going to be good for people like in a department. It's going to be good for people like me who I work in a department with tech people, I need a quick answer to something. Or I want to collaborate in a space and I know that there's other people that are working probably in that space at the exact same time. I think um, your departments are going to feel more use out of that than the typical teacher is going to. Do you see at some point in time, and I know we don't have as much virtual education going on as we did last year for obvious reasons. Knock on um, some wood, Larry. <laughs> Valid point. Do you see this as a useful tool for a non-virtual classroom teacher? How do you see that being incorporated? I'm asking you to kind of get get creative right now on the fly. In Google Spaces? It seems like, and now that I think about it, it seems like we might have some of those chat features in our, our bright space areas and some of the other applications that our teachers are using. There might be some redundancy there. They might be in other areas. I'm not quite sure about the student piece of that. I think of spaces being more um, for the work that you do. Yeah, more not support staff. For sure. All okay. right, what else? Um, other cool things that um, have come out, a Google Calendar. This one I, I noticed, and it kind of freaked me out a little bit, actually. Uh, in the left-hand side of your Google Calendar, there's a section called Time Insights. Again, good for people who live by their Google Calendar. It shows me exactly how many hours I'm in meetings every week. It will show me <laughs> which, um, if I click on more insights, I think it's kind of interesting, though, that it will tell me, hey, you usually don't have a lot of meetings on Monday. Maybe that's where you want to schedule some of your focused work time. Or, like, look at look at Thursday, like that, that day is packed. Stay away from that day. Like just having, having that broken down by the time that you spend in meetings and in these different categories, but also you can see the people you meet with most often and how long you're spending in meetings with them. So just to really help you kind of dial in how you're spending your time. I think anytime you can be more thoughtful about how you're spending your time instead of just reacting to what's happening to you. I think uh, it's it's a good thing. It's a little, little scary when you first see it all written out like that, but I really liked that new edition. There was another new edition that I noticed within Google Calendar. When I create a new event, it automatically puts a little thing in the description box that I can choose to create an agenda directly from that event. So when I click on it, it creates this awesome agenda template for me that it's got little, those little chips, not the links. Remember how when you put a link in now and ask if you want to do a link or a chip, it puts a little smart chip in there that connects you to the meeting. It connects you to the Google Meet that um, the meeting is happening in. It connects you to the, to the attendees. You can see their little profile cards. 
and the document is automatically shared with them. It gives you a section for notes and it gives you a place for clickable checkboxes for action items. All these things that you would normally do in a formal agenda and, you know, oh, did I remember to share it with the person or what day did that happen on? What did we talk about? Who was going to do what? It kind of puts it all into this nice Google Doc for you. That's the template is already there. You just kind of click on it and get going. So I can so see where, your browse. You're checking it out right now. I, no, I would not be doing that at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to find where. Creating the, a meeting. Uh, I could do. I could do that later. We, you know, we don't need to do but that once on the pod right now. That's <laughs> everybody loves that. Us just being quiet <laughs> on the pod and doing some troubleshooting. That's the best. That's the best audio. <laughs> but once you add another person, you get the option to add that agenda template, and I think it's super helpful. Again, so like we just, could do that on the pod. We Weird. Could. Like having an actual agenda that's shared. Stop Ooh, it. But then you would see my notes. I don't know how I feel about that, Larry. God God forbid Larry knows what he's talking about. <laughs> we know we never want that. <laughs> um, other fun updates. Google Meet. I don't know if you noticed before you got on today. It like adjusts based on your lighting. So if you are in a place with poor lighting, all of a sudden this bloop thing goes across the screen and you are brightened up for everybody to see. So again, people are working from wherever the lighting isn't always great. I love that, that feature is built right into Google Me and I don't have to do anything about it. It just happens. Just because I'm a I'm a camera snob, I like to have control over my exposure settings. It, it's a thing. So it always pains me to have auto, you know, put things on auto. But that being said, it does a pretty good job. I find it satisfactory. So I would love to have some additional exposure settings. And just, you know, I know we can do that. You, you know, can do Larry. that, Google. Come on. <laughs> I know you hear me. Hey, Google. <laughs> <laughs> you're uh, I know you're listening. Larry, did you see the other one that came out that I actually thought of you and I thought that you would really like um, the Google Sites uh, update that you can now change the colors and kind of create your own brand? Oh, you mean the one that I already did for the InFocus? <laughs> you mean that one? That one. Yes. Actually, I wanted more. I will say I wanted more, but I was ha very happy with what they had what they had done for okay, sure. Okay, so yeah. let's no, talk about that because yeah. it used to be very minimal, right? Yeah, disturbingly minimal. You have these five, and I get I, I completely get why they did it. Um, this is not their their core function. It's for very basic websites, and it's also so that people don't really screw it up. If you give too many options, things can get awry, go awry very quickly, especially with HTML. So, Like when we used to do, like we used to have the cursor with the trailing flag that would follow it around. And Oh, no offense to our K5 educators, but as far as uh, website offenders, it was, it was not, not good. <laughs> not so what good. kinds of things can you do now in sites? There is some um, variability in your 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 color schemes, which is great. You can actually go in and say if you do have maybe some district branding that you would like to include in some of our our content, you can include the colors, the color scheme that is uh, consistent with your branding, which is great. And they also great for a lot of the school sites and teacher sites. So if you if you do know your the color schemes and branding for your individual school, you can actually match that. Also, some font you have some font choices, which is nice. I would like a little bit more. Diversity there as far as what you can choose, but you do get some uh, font choices and a little more 
a little more choice as far as your some of your graphic usage and some of your branding for your uh for your header on the website, which is which is nice. This is gonna make me sound super nerdy, but I was very excited when I realized recently you could change the favicon. So yes. a tiny little picture that's up in your bookmarks. So I get a tiny little picture mm-hmm. of a level cloud, or it doesn't always have to be the tiny little picture of the lame purple boxes that Google Sites just use a standard. Yep. I like that I could change that. And recognize when when somebody is uh, designing or creating a, a, a favicon, it's very, very small. So actually having like text in it is probably not the way to go. It's It's a very simple image that would reflect your brand. Also, you know, going into it, you can get a little fancy uh, with your Google sites now. They are, I don't know if this is a new thing or it's been around for a while, but you can actually put in some, um, some embed code and some HTML in the Google site now, which I don't think was necessarily available in the past. I could be wrong. It's been a while since I've done a lot of Google sighting, but um, having that option does give you a few extra extra features or some things that you can do and a little more customization that you weren't able to do before. So I, I didn't stretch my legs as much as I would have wanted to in the time that I had. It would be interesting to see somebody kind of get get creative without putting the little trailing cursor thing on their site. I don't even think you could do that if you wanted to anymore. Right? Oh, I bet you you can. Man, <laughs> other cool things that came out recently um, in Google Docs, you can insert a watermark which I think is kind of fun. So if you wanted to watermark your pages, you could. You can insert a clickable checklist, which we kind of talked about earlier, um, but it doesn't have to be within that agenda template. You can just um, insert it for students. That's a good way to keep students on task with the different things that they need to do. We know that breaking large projects into smaller checklists are really good for kids. So having those clickable checkboxes available in Google Docs is pretty awesome. And Honestly, Larry, this isn't a, a Google update, but this reminds me of one of the cool things I've been using lately. Do you know about coolsymbol.com? I do not. Okay. Enlighten me. So um, you can pull off their little emojis or symbols that you can then insert into emails or you can insert it. I really like to do it insert inserted into like Google Drive folders. So you may notice if you go to the tech guide, right space has two little stars on it right there on the folder name. I've been having kind of fun with that lately. And like, there's a green checkbox symbol and there's the little emoji with the hearts for eyes and just being able to put that in to give, again, to break it up for students or to break it up in my Google Drive. Oh, there's so much in there to have that little star that lets me know, okay, that's probably the folder that I want because that's where all my Brightspace stuff is located. It's, it's kind of cool. So, uh, you know, speaking of Google Drive, and and file organization. This is still something that I don't know how many people actually use it, and that's Google Drive for your desktop. It's been around forever. It used to be Google Drive for your desktop, then it was Google Drive file, file stream, and now it's back to being Google Drive. And what it does is it actually puts your drive and your shared drives on your desktop. So instead of having to go into Chrome, you can actually have access to all the files on your Google Drive on your computer. I don't use that. That sounds great. You know, I, I've brought it up before, and it's amazing to me how few people do. One of the great things about that is you can choose individual files and folders to actually have on your 
hard drive at any time. So you don't have to have your entire Google Fold, Google Drive. It all appears on your computer, but it's not necessarily all uploaded to your computer. So it doesn't actually take, you know, take up all that drive space. But if there are specific files or folders that you always want to have access to on your desktop, you can actually have it there. It acts just like a, an external drive. Nice. So if you are working something with something on your desktop in that, in that Google Drive, it'll sync automatically to the cloud. Thank you. You're welcome. I love it. Um, Google Forms did an update too that I know are making is making a lot of teachers happy. If you've ever used Google Forms, the settings is it's completely hidden. If you want it to go to users outside the domain, if you want it to be marked as a quiz, those settings used to be in random places kind of hard to find. Now it's a settings tab, very similar to what we used to see in classroom. There's a settings tab that has all of those options right there kind of brought out for teachers. So that's a that's a big thing I'm really excited about. Other than that, Larry, I've got one coming soon thing that I think is kind of cool. Rapid release starts at the end of this month. I just saw it this morning. Uh, Gmail is going to have the option. Soon you're going to see little avatars in your compose box. So when I type an email to Larry Burton, I'm going to see your little Google avatar next to it. So I can visually see and make sure that I have all the people that I want on that email. It's also going to automatically tag the ones that are outside of your domain with a light yellow color. So again, you can see if you're accidentally, I'll use it where I can see if I'm accidentally emailing somebody's personal instead of their work. Uh, that'll be a visual cue for me. Um, it will also do a dark yellow plus that alert at the bottom if you're emailing someone from outside of your domain that you haven't emailed before. So again, that's a, a hint, a visual hint for you that you maybe mistyped something when you were typing it in, or maybe that's not the right person, or just a, hey, heads up. This is someone you haven't emailed before and they're outside your domain. I like those um, those color indicators. So look for those to be coming in Gmail soon. One other thing, um, and I don't know if you've played around with this, but Google Profiles? No, talk to me about that. So this, is, this kind of was a game changer for me because I have multiple Google accounts depending on what I'm accessing or what I have access to. One of the issues that happened, especially with education accounts, is you cannot log into two Google accounts at the same time. So for instance, I, I have a or my, my personal account um, through TCAPS, my home account, and also a TCAPS Media account. Well, the TCAPS Media runs the YouTube. What I have to sign out of my other accounts to then access our district's YouTube page kind of frustrating and then I have to go back in and go back out I have to go to the cloud each time now you can set up separate profiles for each one of those accounts chrome recognizes it as a different basically a different pane so you can actually have both accounts going at the same time for me that was that was awesome that has saved my life larry cuz you're exactly right i can be in my tcaps account on this chrome window my chrome browser mm -hmm. and then on my other screen i can be in a student account and i can be testing things like in brightspace like the things don't get crossed that used to happen all the time you would try to share something to somebody and you would accidentally be crossed into your home account and all kinds of wackiness would happen so you're exactly right that is a game changer at least for me, Google started asking 
when I started signing into different accounts, do you want to set up a new profile? And that profile then can be switched. And I think it's up and up right by the search bar, the Google search bar. There's a little favicon up there. If you click on it, it'll give you the options to go to different profiles or open up different profiles. We've been talking about productivity the last couple pods that I've been on too and asking people their productivity tips. Larry, can yeah. I please just take two seconds and share with you my best productivity tip for the week? Absolutely. Unsubscribe. Yes. My email gets so filled with junk and vendors and blah. So I've started taking the 30 seconds and just unsubscribing to all of them. And all of a sudden, instead of getting, you know, a hundred emails a day, I get something that is more manageable and they're all relevant. It it took like a good week of unsubscribing and then new things would come back. But man, unsubscribe. That's my productivity tip of the week. I started doing that about a year ago. It made a huge difference. And it's funny that you say that because I stopped for maybe two weeks. Just, you know, I'm like, I've got this so whittled down. I don't even notice anymore. And then I stopped and it was amazing how quickly things started filling back up again. So I'm back on the unsubscribe bandwagon. It's the great, it's, it's the best. All the best people are on this bandwagon. It takes no more time than deleting the email, which you're going to do anyway. Don't delete it. Report the spam, unsubscribe, move along. Yeah, your your yeah. inbox will be much more manageable. And it helps with my mental health, you know, instead of going in there and saying, oh, delete, 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 it's going in there and saying, oh, that's annoying, unsubscribe. You know, it just, I just feel better. Hey, do we have a, a tech tool of the week? Tool of the week. Did you know it is Digital Citizenship Week? Yeah, I did not know that, but I'm very excited about it. It is. And I'm just going to share again my favorite resource is a News Literacy Project. So, News Literacy Project is a national education nonprofit. They are kind of fabulous. Um, I, when you first go to their homepage, there is a place to subscribe and I just subscribed. They don't spam me. I actually read these ones. They send me one email per week and it is the blog of the viral rumor rundown. So it's all the things that I've seen on Twitter. I've seen on my Facebook. I've heard people talking about and they actually show them. They give data as to where the rumor first originated, how it's getting passed around. Like, it is solid. And if I was teaching in secondary, man, I would be bringing that up every day. Well, not every day, but like once a week with my students because it would be good for them to see and talk about how to break down those rumors when you see them online. I love that they are starting a new partnership with AARP and they are working together to um, offer resources for seniors. There are webinars about misinformation, fact-checking, and then my favorite, right before Thanksgiving, there is an hour webinar, Productive Conversations Without Confrontation. In preparation for the Thanksgiving holiday where all your family's sitting around the table, I think that's a pretty cool initiative that they're doing uh, with AARP. Um, their Twitter is fantastic. They're always sharing all kinds of new ways to reach kids and reach students misinformation is everywhere. And I love that this group is offering some solid resources to teachers and 
to seniors. That is incredible and, and so so necessary and right. vital. Like, you know, we we do so much talking about making sure that our kids have an understanding of digital citizenship and di- digital literacy. The reality is, people my age and older were not are not. You know, we use the term a lot, digital natives. If there's anybody that needs those resources, there's people my age and older. I hate to say my age, but the reality is, yeah, my age. <laughs> there was a, a study that came out that talked about 85% of people, if they see something more than, more than once, they start to believe it because they're like, oh yeah, I've seen that before. I've seen that before. It must be true. And the more that they see it, the more they think that it is true. So when this misinformation is flooding their social media feeds or in their conversations with their family or with their friends, it's it, it just adds to that, well, it must be true because I'm hearing it everywhere. Yeah, you create your own echo chamber. We will definitely have, I mean, we've had podcasts on this topic before. We'll, we're going to have more podcasts on this topic because from what we've seen, it's it hasn't, the amount of times we've talked about it, and I can't believe with the with the viewership or the listenership that we have that it hasn't actually affected and changed the global stakes in this. We, we you know our reaches our reach is international, and we should be making we should be the change agents we want to be. But um, you know we we do need to keep in our in our own small way you know keep this topic alive because the changes that we would love to have love to see happen and the the discourse around this has not has not been as affecting as we would like it to be. Yeah, keep the discussion going. Anything well, else? All right. In closing, follow us on uh, Facebook and Twitter at TCAPS Loop. At Brodstrom DA. Subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Downcast, Overcast, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or wherever else you get your ear candy. Thanks for listening and inspiring. Some things you just can't fix in post.